1: Hi, I'm Megan Gilger, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange podcast. Welcome, friends. We are beginning another episode of Eating Locally. And this one I think is going to be really fun because I think it contributes a lot to, you know, other parts of gardening and things we don't necessarily think about. You know, I think when we start growing food, we don't always think about how are we going to eat it? (laughs) And one of the big questions people ask me a lot is, how do I actually meal plan with all like a CSA or farmer's market or anything like that? And it's a very tricky question. And we're going to get into that because it's not, I will tell you that it's not as seamless as I think we want it to be is on a seamless as shopping at a grocery store. So we're going to discuss that. But I think you're going to feel empowered by the time we finish this episode, and you're going to feel even more excited about eating locally because I think it can be simpler than we think it needs to be. So I'm just going to say that, and we're going to start into this. If you haven't listened to the other episodes that I've done this month all about eating local and seasonally, you can jump into those. And I know everybody's getting busy in the garden. We could talk about gardening, but I really want to emphasize the power that we have with local eating and seasonal eating and what it can do for the environment, what it can do for our bodies, for our communities, for all of this. And with all the talk about food shortages and inflation and all of that, I feel like it's a super important conversation about how can we look locally and how can we start utilizing something that can fear, feel fearful and make it an opportunity? And I think it creates a more resilient mind to think this way. And I am an eternal optimist. So if you need some optimism, here I am uh, hanging out. So you can listen to the other two episodes. I suggest some books and things. Today, I'm going to suggest some cookbooks that will be helpful but just a couple, nothing crazy, because I don't think it needs to be crazy. Uh, we can keep things simple and find what works for us naturally. So let's jump in. So today, like talking about meal planning, I, I want to first say, I am not a meal planner. So I'm going to start from there. And for a long time, I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out how to meal plan, to teach people how to do this. And I had this whole like conversation in my head about... I can do this. Like I can create a meal plan. I can go to the farmer's market. I can cook from our garden. I can do all these things. And I'm going to tell you right now that I never accomplished that. Maybe it's out there. I think there's ways that you can do that specifically. Instead, I want to challenge you in a new way. So when we're talking about eating locally and seasonally and meal planning, I think we have to assess why we're meal planning. I think a lot of people do it because they want to know what to expect that week. And I get it. I am not very good at this, but what I have found with not meal planning (laughs) is that it allows more freedom to kind of, I guess, learn how things taste and feel. And I, I, if you've never heard of this concept about ad hoc cooking, it basically, more or less, in a very rough way, means to just kind of cook from your pantry, to cook from what is available. And this means that it's pretty on the fly, pretty like you just walk up to your cupboards, your garden, and you're looking and you're like, okay, what can I do with this? And that could freak everyone out. Like <laughs> it freaks Mike out. Mike looks at our refrigerator and he's like, I have no idea what to cook. You have to tell me. And so I have to think about Mike's in the world because Mike is lucky that he married somebody and he's living with somebody that looks at a refrigerator and sees, okay, we can do a lot here. (laughs) I got a cabbage. I got some onions. I got an apple to shrivel up. I have, you know, there's all these things and it can very easily turn into a meal when we think about it. So the most important thing is thinking about this in a different way. So one thing I want to just say is that it's really important when you're eating locally and seasonally to keep a well-stocked pantry, like dry goods. So dry goods are like the staple of what we eat. These are greens, these are beans, um, anything like you know, vinegars and oils and soy sauce or coconut aminos and things like that. Um, All those things are really important pieces. And so one of the books I'm going to suggest that I feel like they give a really good idea of what to suck in your pantry is the book Six Seasons, which is also if you want to eat locally and seasonally, I think it's one of the top, 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 top books that you need to put on your list of eating locally and seasonally. The reason being is that it accommodates a lot of different types of eating. You can easily adapt the recipes to be vegan, to be vegetarian, to be specifically dairy-free, nut-free, like it's very easy to adapt. And the it takes practice to understand how to adapt a recipe and it takes working in the kitchen. So He does a really good job of like, here's the things you need to have in your pantry to cook this way. And I think that's incredibly important because it's also like nuts and things like that. Now, when I'm thinking about eating locally and seasonally, I am thinking about how can I source these dry goods from as close to me as possible. So I find that it's really helpful to go to somewhere that carries things in bulk because a lot of times they easily mark on... The canisters, like this, is from the US, this is from Canada, this is from for us, they'll say Michigan or Indiana or Wisconsin. And what is amazing about that, and this is typically for for me, it's at a co op, and I can go there and you know, you can fill your jars if you want to, you can do it however you want to. Sometimes I forget, we all do it. Um, but What I like about this is that I'm able to find things that are, I'm able to understand how those things got to me. So if a grain says it came from China or I could get a similar grain. So if like farro is from Italy and wheat berries is, or barley maybe are from Canada, I am more likely to choose the one from Canada because it didn't have to cross the ocean to get to me. So if I don't have a local one, and they cook very similarly, they slightly are different, and I'm gonna suggest another book here. Um, Abra Barons created two books within the last two-ish, three-ish years. She's amazing. The books are Grist and Ruffage. They Grist is all about grains and legumes, which are beans, And Roughage is a seasonal recipe book that I would compare with Six Seasons, but she leans way more Midwestern than Joshua McFadden of Six Seasons does. He also has a green book, which is very good as well. He leans, um, because he's from the PNW, he leans a little more with like, he has more Asian Pacific uh, sort of flavors in his food compared to... um, Abra. Abra has, it's very Midwest, which I love because it caters to our eating more. It is heavier on dairy and that's okay. I, I find a way to, cause I don't really eat much dairy. I find a way to, um, counter that in other ways. So it's usually pretty good to have her inspiration. And I love that she offers adaptations to her recipes, like how to shift them up. And if you don't have that, in stock, that is amazing. So, but she also has a great pantry section in her both of her books. And so I highly suggest that one. But I what I love about just going and getting these things in bulk in that way is like even beans, all these things, I can see exactly where they came from, and I have a lot more knowledge as a consumer about how to source them. Now you can also find like locally. Local places and buy in bulk directly from them. It takes more work, more legwork, all of that. But having a well-stocked pantry and an understanding of how to cook these grains and beans and all of that, which I suggest, getting dried beans and putting them into an instant pot, very easy to take dried beans and save a lot of money and waste. And plus, you get bean water, which is incredibly great for soups. So and full of nutrients. So um in a great way to conserve your water. So these are all things that can be really helpful and you're thinking, "Man, Megan, this sounds like a lot of work." I don't know. And I get it. I get it. It's a lot of it is a lot of work and eating is a lot of work. And our life doesn't really accommodate that. Instead, what I would really suggest you guys do in terms of like thinking about meal planning and why people meal plan obviously is to have this system of how you're going to eat. This is where for a lot of people who are just starting out into local eating, I really suggest a CSA, a community supported agriculture box that you get from either a local farm or, or a co-op of different farms is a really great option as well. Uh, things like that, because every single week, what you do is you receive a list of vegetables and things that you're going to re- be having that week. And so what you can do and what it encourages is that you can sit and actually figure out, okay, we're going to get kohlrabi this week. I have no idea what a kohlrabi is. I've never eaten one. I don't know what it is. I would never have picked it up at the grocery store. Do they even have them at the grocery store? The answer is no, most times. Unless you're at a co-op, which ours has them occasionally, sometimes, a lot of times, particularly in the winter. But nevertheless, what's so wonderful about this is that you have a box that comes to you and it has a list of items and things like that. And now you can start having something to work from. So, you know, that there's like a limited amount of things that you're going to get. You're going to get potatoes, spinach, onions, kohlrabi, and maybe some eggs. And that's like what you're going to be working with that week. So it allows you to this chance to kind of limit your options to get to know these vegetables and not feel like you have to, it limits the decisions you have to make because you only have these things to work with plus anything you have in your pantry. So, and what it also does is when we do this, um, well, I guess just say this, like sometimes CSAs will even provide some recipes that they encourage or one recipe that month or that week. And you can kind of work off of that, but, and I love that when they do that, it's really helpful, especially for new, you know, newer people getting into this or first-time CSA users or people that aren't, um, as, you know, aware of some of these newer vegetables to them or the variety of vegetables, because it can be, you know, sort of overwhelming, obviously it's overwhelming. You're listening to this today, but I, I think like what I love about the CSA particularly is just the limiting of options and you have that chance. The like and, and like I was saying, the other great thing is that you have only those items, which you know can feel challenging. But what I, I'm getting to is that many of these books are great because they offer adaptations, because it's incredibly important to understand that you can substitute to spinach, kale, and Swiss chard for each other in a recipe. It's also incredibly great to understand that you could substitute turnips and kohlrabi for and rutabaga for potatoes in a recipe. Or, you know, <laughs> I can keep going. You can always substitute a vegetable for another vegetable that are in the same kind of texture and line. And the more understanding we have of these vegetables the more likely we are to understand how we can substitute them so though this doesn't give us give us a answer to the meal plan what it gives us an answer to is how to become ad- adaptive in our cooking which is ad hoc you know so i love this i love that it encourages that and but if you're still feeling like megan that's not for me. I'm really still overwhelmed by this. I get it. So what I want you to think about too, is I think it's all about supplying yourself with the right information because what we're really doing here with cooking locally and seasonally is we are teaching ourselves how to reconnect to our food. And currently, as a stands, if you were just like, the average person, you most likely, you know, there you have, maybe you buy some things locally, which is also okay, guys. Okay. You don't have to buy everything local or seasonal. You can do it at whatever pace and level you want to, but it's taken me now almost 10 years to get to the place. And I still go and buy things that are not season, like in season or local sometimes, because we're not 100% about it. We're not 100% about anything in life. It's it's, you know, both and a little bit. Most people right now are, you know, cooking things like, I mean, I know as a family, the things that are most popular are tacos, some sort of sandwich burger night of some kind, uh, salad, bowls, and pizza or or in a pasta dish. The good news is you can literally take all those things every night and make them a local seasonal meal, okay? Cuz this is this is the extent of my meal planning, okay? Is I say, okay, Monday night is tacos, Tuesday night is pasta, Wednesday night is um stir-fry or a you know, some sort of like rice bowl of some kind. And then Thursday night is you know leftovers and then friday night is pizza or bowl night and the list goes on or quiche so i think what is interesting about this is these are this is the best way to think about meal planning that is local and seasonal whether you get a csa whether you go to the farmers market whether you go to the garden choosing these groups of things allows you to adapt your menu to the seasons, but not look up a recipe for each one of these things every time. Here's what I mean. Let's say you have taco night. So you have tacos and you're like, okay, I went and got this chicken and so I'm going to cook it. And maybe you do a whole chicken and you shred it. And then you're going to utilize that chicken throughout the whole week, which I highly suggest it's like the best way to do anything. But every single one of those meals I suggested can all be adapted to a season. So the tacos, for instance, actually, you know what? Let's just go backwards. Let's start Monday. You have a whole chicken. You're going to cook that whole chicken. You got it locally from a great little farm. So you drop it in the instant pot, which is honestly the best and fastest way to cook a whole chicken and or spatchcocking it, either one. But you cook the chicken, you do the chicken thing, and now you got broth because you cooked it in the instant pot and water. And now you got bones and you have the meat itself. Okay. So you pull the meat and you you make bowls that night with the whole chicken where you do shredded chicken, some massage kale, and you know maybe you have some potatoes. And so you've roasted those potatoes and You've also, you know, I'm trying to think of something else. Maybe you've got radishes and asparagus or something like that. And you've done those either like a lot of times I just like fresh cut veggies into things. I don't do much other than that. A lot of times most of the stuff that we do is we saute those veggies fresh, especially for bowls. Um, I do this with mushrooms all the time. And yeah, before you know it, you have a bowl full of amazing things. And you make up some kind of dressing, which I highly suggest getting the Love and Lemons Everyday book solely for the dressing page that's in there because you can make any of them and they're all going to taste good in a bowl. So you do that. Then the next thing, you make tacos. And so you got the chicken and you've put the bones maybe back into the Instant Pot to make bone broth. So and you've got the other broth from making the chicken. And so you're ready to make um. You know, that can be used for grains or for soup or something like that later in the week. So for the tacos, you know, you got a red cabbage an onion and carrots. And so you shred all that up and in your food processor with the chickens and make the tortillas and if you want to add some black beans or sweet potatoes or just those leftover potatoes that you made the other night or anything leftover from the night before it can turn into a taco just add some hot sauce so or salsa or whatever and then you got tacos for the night then the next night you're like okay i'm going to make stir fry so then you take that broth that you made And you make some rice and you get some local eggs and you make, you know, you toss in like you do like fried rice with the eggs and like some frozen peas from, you know, the spring and or fresh peas or and you add some garlic and maybe some of that leftover cabbage stuff can go on top from that you had with tacos the night before. And you can start seeing how it builds upon itself. And I could keep going. Maybe it'd be helpful. But what I'm saying is that when we have these things where we say, okay, we can do soup, like you could just tell yourself, like every single week, we do soup this night, we do, um, we we do tacos this night, we do you know pasta dish this night, and we do pizza this night. It can all take on something that is in season. Every single one of those things. One of our favorite things is a frittata. It is the easiest thing to grab any vegetable almost. And before you know it, you have eaten local eggs and you've eaten local um, vegetables all in one dish and and a pair it with a salad. And it's easy, it's local and it's healthy and it's really good for you. So there, it's simple too. It It's just all about not complicating it. And I think we want to complicate it. We want to think oh, we need to make something really crazy and fancy and understand all these things. When the truth is, is that really it can be this simple. We literally can just choose that we're going to just have these specific nights every time. And what a gift that is, because like I said, every single thing can adapt. Super important though, to understand that ad hoc idea that we can adjust and move. And so I'm going to suggest another book here and all these will be in the show notes as always. And one of them, this one is um, Local Dirt, which is by Andrea Bemis, who's been on the podcast before. Her book is incredible because once again, it works through the seasons and she's a farmer and her husband's a farmer and they do it together out in Portland. And they are just like, her recipes are wonderful. Every, like she led this whole idea of like local 30 and she shares amazing kids recipes, recipes for herself, um, as an adult and even how she kind of adjusts them for her kid and her daughter. And I just think that it's a gift and the book is a gift because she, once again, like has those, here's how to adjust this. Like if you don't have beef, then use pork or you know whatever it might be because a lot of times when you're eating local, especially as a meat eater, you're going to find it's easier to find pork than it is to find beef. And I also suggest looking up accessing buffalo and things like that because buffalo are an incredible – advantage. like they're so good for the environment as an animal and um, they – They also like pack a punch when it comes to meat. Like one buffalo can feed like a ton of people. (laughs) So it's a really powerful animal and they, they've kind of been eradicated in the places where they used to be. And now it's becoming a really popular thing again. And up here in Northern Michigan, we can access them. And I prefer buffalo uh, over beef and or pork. I don't eat pork. So I'm pretty particular about the meats I eat. Uh, So anyways, I just suggest thinking about meal planning in this way. If it feels overwhelming to you, if you're one of those people who wants to get into cooking and wants to get adventurous and you're like, I need this like food adventure of my life. Good news. You can also do that. But I think for the most of us, like, when I think about my husband, like when I tell him we're having tacos this night, we're having pasta this night, we're having this, this night, he's like, oh, okay. Like, cool. And if I just tossed it at him and I said, okay, you got to make stir fry and just use whatever veggies are in there, you know, that would be good in a stir fry. I think we can all generalize like what's something when we think about a stir fry that we've had in it before, broccoli, cabbage, mushrooms, you know, things like that. Corn even, I think sometimes is popped in there. So it can all pretty much go in it. So I just think it makes it really accessible to our minds when we think about it this way. And it, and so when we get that CSA box and we got, you know, 10 vegetables to work from that week, we can have a lot of fun. And I also just want to say that there's nothing wrong with getting a CSA and eating most of it as raw vegetables. Because it's actually like great for you, first of all. And those things are so freaking fresh that they taste even better fresh than they would if you cook as if cooking with them. So, if there's also something you don't like, I challenge you to find a recipe to work with it. A lot of people don't like beets. There are a lot of really good beet recipes in the Six Seasons book, but also, once again, gonna toss one of these like takes on anything situations. Smoothies. I always tell people, if you don't like your beets, that's okay. Boil them whole, remove the skins once they cool, and then just put them in the freezer and add them to your smoothies. And it's a great way to eat them and you never notice them. And they are really important blood builders, especially the red beets. So it's a great vegetable, but you don't, if you don't like the flavor of it, toss a couple, or you can you can even boil them, remove the skins, puree them, put them into ice cubes, make little ice cube versions of them and freeze them and then toss them in. So there's always a way to utilize a vegetable, even if you don't like it. So, cause some people will say like, well, there's certain things they're going to give me that I don't like. I will tell you that if you've eaten that vegetable at a grocery store only, and you haven't had it from a great farm, You got to try it from the grape farm before you can like totally ditch it. So that's all (laughs) because I can tell you that turnips from the grocery store taste massively different than they do from the local farms. So I would definitely suggest trying them fresh. So I hope this has been a great podcast for you guys. I will say this, that if you still are like, man, this feels overwhelming to me. Our online community is an incredible place for people. It's $13 a month to just become a member and what we do there is so fun because many times some of the members will toss in a question and they'll be like, "Hey, I only have, you know, tomatoes, spinach and um, you know, mushrooms and farro right now." Like that's kind of what I see as something great here. And then, "What could I make for dinner tonight?" And they'll be like, 10 people that will like respond and they'll be like, here's a great recipe that I would try or this is what I would do if it was me. And I think just having that communal opportunity to connect and talk about food that way is really important. And it's really helpful, especially when you're learning to cook this way. So I'm going to put some resources in the show notes. So if you want them, I highly suggest, I'm also going to include a friend of mine's Instagram account called Cook Casual. She is a really good ad hoc cook, and I learn a lot from her. And a lot of her stuff is um, dairy-free sometimes, and she doesn't eat meat. So I it's all a lot of plant-based food, which I love So because I like to eat vegetables a lot. <laughs> so... I love what she's doing all the time. So, and she gardens, which is fun to watch. So anyways, until then, my friends, you can join the community or check out the resources, but I'll see you out there.